Thank you. Uh, Weight Watchers was really my go-to program, and um, I can honestly say I have gained and lost over a thousand pounds in the last 48 years on that program. And that diet mentality, it got, it got to a point, the, my most recent bout, where I just couldn't do it anymore. The thought of going on another diet and failing killed me. And I'll get back to that in a minute, but going back to you know early childhood, you know, uh, it was tough. My parents got divorced when I was 10. I, bl I blamed me a lot for that. Um, spiritually, I was raised Catholic. You know, and I believed in God. And it gave me a solid foundation of faith, but not understanding. I stopped going to church as soon as I was confirmed. Um, and I, I learned to pray, but I never learned how to pray. Um, I would, you know, God give me this, God give me that, you know, God is my own personal genie. Um, and it was funny because when I came into program, we talked about that spiritual connection, finding a higher power and getting a relationship with my higher power, something I never, and even I'm, well, you know, have gone to a Christian church, never quite understood it. I'd be the one in the pews or in the in the seat, you know, God, please, I do anything, just take this away from me, you know, make me skinny, make me pretty, and you know, the next thought was, hmm, where can I go for lunch? You know, that that duality, that dichotomy. You know, it's like, well, if you believe in God, how come you're not thin? It's like, well, because food is my higher power, or it was, because that came first, rather than trying to do what my higher power wanted me. As long as I was in the food, I, I couldn't hear God and focus on what he was asking me to do. And that was, that was a, a hard step to kind of admit and overcome, but uh, it did get there. But back then, it's when I was 17... You know, I got myself into a situation where I was date raped, and I was so scared. I was, I was pregnant, stopped eating. And again, I prayed to God, okay, God, please, just don't let me be pregnant. I'll do anything you want. Four months, I prayed that prayer. Didn't have a period. The end of four months, I, I got my period. And what did I do? I went back to behaving like I typically did. You know, those those promises we make to ourselves in vain and to God. But during that four months, I walked, I stopped eating. I think I maybe had an orange and a yogurt a day. I dropped all my weight. I was fitting into my mom's clothes better than she did. At last, I was skinny and attractive, right? Everything was going to turn out, right? No, that didn't happen for me. Boys didn't radiate to me like I thought they should. I, I think something was wrong with me. And then I that so... I got the bright idea that there's only one thing they want. I started acting out sexually. I did get into a, a, a long-term relationship um, that, did, that was really mentally abusive. Um, and when I got out of that, I, 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 I thought, you know, I've, the last four years, I feel like I haven't grown or, or aged. I mean, I was cognizant of stuff happening to me. I just couldn't figure out how to make it change. I couldn't do it, but I, I kept trying. Um, after we broke up and I was gaining some weight, somebody suggested Overeaters Anonymous. I tried the program. I went in for about a minute, got myself a sponsor. Somebody said, I'll be your sponsor. It's like, okay, fine. Didn't do a single thing they told me to do. 
they fired me and I said, okay, I'm out of here. And I wasn't ready to hear anything what the program had to offer. And I certainly didn't understand about surrendering food or anything else at that time. I was still trying to control everything because I thought that was the answer. I, w I did get into therapy and other self-help groups and in my early 20s. I started feeling good. I felt like I finally had captured back and things were starting to go right. I graduated. I had a good boyfriend. He proposed. We got married. Um, I, I started my career. I mean, things were looking up, but, you know, I struggled every day. And, you know, it's like there was, and there's a 10-year gap where, you know, we just existed. He was going to, back to school and, you know, I was working and it was like I blinked. And then my stepfather was diagnosed with uh, lung cancer and it made me take stock of my life. And my answer was, let's get pregnant. And I figured, well, you know, my whole family had a hard time history getting pregnant. Maybe I couldn't get pregnant. And, well, that wasn't my experience because in a heartbeat later I was pregnant and I went to Weight Watchers and said, oh, you, you, you can't be on program on Weight Watchers and be pregnant. And that was the day, that was the minute I succumbed to my disease because I went, yes, I can eat what I want and eat for two. Well, I probably ate for four. And I put on the weight, I mean, so much during my pregnancy. Um, that was when I probably first went over 300 pounds. Because um, I was in my high 200s, about 280 when I got pregnant. And food, at that point, food had become my higher power. And uh, my son is now 21. He'll be 22 in, in August. And for, for the last 22 years, 20 years or so, I learned to shove down my emotions, stop crying, stop feeling. I had highs and lows, but most tried to keep things middle of the road. Uh, the highest weight I was was 382 pounds. My lowest was 311. And I vacillated between those two kind of settling in around 3.30. So I'd go up and down, kept trying to diet my way. But as soon as I was successful, I got in my head, I can eat like a normal person. I had no clue what normal eating was. To me, normal eating was eat whatever you want and still lose weight. You know, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work for me. Inside, well, I was overweight. I was emotionless, scared, weak. I gave away my power and my voice. Outwardly, I was successful to other people, but I kept my true feelings inside. I thought I had control. I thought all I needed to do was to be better than everyone else, and then they'd, they'd like me, right? They'll, they'll acknowledge me. Then I can feel good about myself. And to prove to everyone that I was fine at my weight, I tried to be superwoman. I worked full-time, had my second kid by that time, Raised my two kids, took care of my husband, and in my 40s, I was involved with the PTA leading committees, volunteered as room mom, mostly out of guilt because I was working full-time and couldn't be there for my kids. I taught Sunday school. I led the Cub Scouts program. The boys, you know, because, well, <laughs> no one else would, So, and I wanted my kid to be in, a, in the Boy Scouts, in the Cub Scouts. So, And both of my kids were also high-functioning autistic, so I had, you know, trying to just make things normal for them. Um, you know, it, no one, the best way to get me to do something was to say it couldn't be done. 
and I proved to everyone, well, it could be done. Once I came into program and I got into a meeting where we studied the 12 and 12, there's a story out of that book that, um, uh, what is it? Yeah, the, the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. There's a story in there where a woman did everything at her OA meeting and people eventually stopped coming. And I went, oh, I identified with her because I couldn't, you know, it was like, oh, man, I'm pushing people away. I'm not making them like me. I'm making them feel inferior or that they're not needed or wanted or loved. It was, it was a very humbling, eye-opening experience. So what got me here, that last step when I couldn't go on Weight Watchers anymore, is just years of feeling that out of control. I'd been losing that same 50, 75 pounds over and over and over again. And I get up to a certain size of weight and start the insanity all over again. And I could no longer pretend I was normal because my body started to uh, show the effects. Um, Sometimes I thought, well, as long as I'm not the fattest person in the room, then I'm okay, right? Well, no, I became the fattest person in the room. And I had to take care of my mom with that fractious relationship. I didn't like her, she was, but she was fighting dementia, started having to take control of all her assets and try to clean up her mess again. I was angry and resentful. Those were the only two feelings I could feel. And my body was, was starting to, to show it. I had bone-on-bone arthritis in both hips. This is right about the time COVID started, so I could work from home, which I was grateful for, because honestly, I could barely make it to the bathroom. I was in that much pain, and I couldn't move fast. I was walking with a cane or a walker. Finally had to go to a wheelchair. I went to my orthopedic surgeon, kind of looked at me and said, well, I can't operate. I mean, the only thing to help you is an operation, and I can't do it because you're morbidly obese. Here's a brochure for gastric bypass. And that was like the lowest blow. And again, you know, don't tell me it can't be done, but at the same time, it was like I was hopeless. I couldn't feel because deep inside, and there's nothing wrong with gastric bypass, but for me, I knew I would be the one that would fail because I would not be able to stop eating. Gastric bypass for me was not the answer, but I didn't know what was. Um, you know, so I did realize I needed to talk with somebody again, so I, I found a therapist. And the story is really God-given because I was, my company has a referral, and I could call, and they say, okay, you get several free sessions. You know, here's one of three, go pick them. Two were working out of their home, and one was still in her office. And she had a bunch of letters after me, which I didn't know at the time, dealt with addictions. I picked her because she was working, and I figured, well, she, she, she's serious enough to have an office office hour as well. I'm serious enough to get help from her. And I talked to her for 10 minutes, starting to tell my story, and just going, ah, blah, blah, blah. and she said, okay, I, I want to ask you a question. Don't take this personally. Just have you ever considered that you might be a compulsive overeater? And I went, well, yes, <laughs> what do you think I'm talking about? But at that time when I said yes, it was like I finally was able to acknowledge there was something going on with me that was out of my control. 
and I didn't know anything really about compulsive overeating, you know, other than periphery. Um, but I was ready to hear it. She said, okay, here's what I want you to do. Go to an OA meeting and report back to me. I hemmed and hawed because that was Monday. I finally got into a, a Zoom meeting on Thursday. And it ended up being a fantastic meeting. There was a lot of recovery. It was loud and boisterous. And people there were happy. And it 15 minutes? Out. Thank you. I was crying. And so I, I went back. She said, okay, now go back in, to that meeting and listen to what they, they say and follow their directions. And that's what I heard. Get a sponsor, follow directions. So I just I did a sponsor shop. And what basically I found one, called him up, talked, and he didn't. I, I kept saying, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out the food program because I don't need all this other stuff. I'm just gonna do the food. Never told me what he was eating. Never talked about a food plan. Kept talking about this thing called a higher power. Like wait wait wait. And then he said, Hey, I need to ask you a question. All I want is a yes or no. Are you willing to do whatever it takes without question to overcome this compulsion to food? I was shocked. I was so stunned silent. And I must have been silent for about 10 minutes. Whether you heard my story, you've got the, the angel on one shoulder, the devil on the other shoulder, and they're fighting over my soul, literally. Angel going, you don't say yes. If you don't say yes, you will die. The devil saying, if you don't say no, you won't ever have chocolate cake again. The minute I said yes, I had a profound sense of peace and serenity come over me. I had surrendered, and at that point, food was no longer my master. So my sponsor gave me as long list of things I needed to do. I followed directions, um, gave me a food plan. My heart has a voice. I get to listen to it, and the miracles and promises started to happen. My orthopedic surgeon saw the improvement. I dropped 43 pounds when he said I needed you know, to lose 100, and he said he would do surgery. New Year's Eve, going into 2021, he operated on my left hip. Eight months later, he did my right hip. I'm walking now. I am walking without a cane, and I'm walking without pain. And I am taking care of myself. My blood work, my, my doctor was amazed. My triglycerides went from 112 to 68. My total cholesterol went from 240 to 170. My blood pressure went from like 140 over 90 to 118 over 73. My LDLs from 165 to 110, and those are dropping. My glucose went from 106 to 76. My BMI went from 51 to 33. I'm no longer morbidly obese. I never, I never thought that could happen to me, and I'm so grateful. And these are just numbers. Again, you know, my whole recovery is really the spiritual part and how I deal with life. Um, and there, there wins every day. I wish I could just go on and on because they're amazing. It's when somebody says, I need you, you know, I need, can you do this? Can you do this? And it's like, I'll do my best. Well, I need you to promise. I said, no, I'm not going to promise because I don't know if I can. You know, standing up for myself and not promising and not getting in a place where I'm resentful. You know, and not letting somebody bully me, where I can, I know, and I, I, I do service, and I reach out to people, and I work with people, and I learn 
that when I do have a resentment, you know, I, I, I take care of it. When I, when I am at fault, I admit it. And that spiritual part of that recovery, my connection to my higher power, who I call God, is amazing now. My disease is cunning, baffling, powerful, and patient. It waits for an opening. There are days when I don't do everything my sponsor tells me to do. And I, like right now, it's like, oh, you know what? I didn't do my reading today. And I didn't make my outreach calls. I better do that. Because when I don't, that gives my disease an opening to come in. And the cravings start. I don't know why it works when I do, when I actually follow my program. I don't have the food cravings. You know? But my connection with God the, the the spirituality, the prayer, I start my mornings every day thanking him, thanking him for the day and the gifts that he's given me through this program. And that's all I get is one day at a time. You know, I'd like to think that I could eat normally one day, but, you know, for today, I get to eat what my program says. And I maintain absolute. And I'm grateful for that. And I need to work it so I can get everything out of this program, all the promises. And that's what the program is doing for me and why what I got from following finding a sponsor and following directions. And uh that's my story. Perfect. Time. Is it time for people to share yet? What's Bridget's phone number? Sue, I think you're muted. My phone number is 714-395-9294. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.